colorism feeds into racism. Mm -hmm. It feeds into that. And so while, while I feel that everyone has access to Google and I don't think that it's okay for white people to ask people of color to do all the work. I think we as people of color can do some work to make some change in our own communities when it comes to colorism. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Trish Chat, or welcome if this is the first time that you're listening to us. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess. Hello, hello. And today we're going to talk about colorism. But first, Jess, how are you doing? Oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> how was your day today? How I'm, are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yes. Um, today was an okay day. Don't really have much to say on that. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Baxter today. We went to the park and I got to see him be very happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I feel very blessed to have Baxter. I, I feel blessed every day, but today, especially just seeing how happy he was in the park and, um, how big of a boy and good of a boy he's become. Um, so he's been a good, I guess, um, he's been a re very refreshing being to be around during these crazy times. Baxter is our dog. If you yes, haven't Baxter. listened to any of our Baxter. Baxter. Like, Who is Baxter? Baxter? Um, how are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Struggling a little bit? Struggling a little bit. Struggling a little bit. There's still, there's still, even though the media would make it seem that there still isn't a lot, that there isn't a lot going on in the world anymore. There still is Definitely. a lot going on in the world. Agreed. And so I'm just okay. All right. Well, won't pry on that. That's totally okay to be okay. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. And speaking of so many things going on in the world, um, Jess and I did an episode on internalized racism. And it was a hit. And it was a hit. A lot of people gave some good feedback on that one. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to do another episode on colorism. I am Dominican. And I think when I think about colorism, I think about Dominican people. I mean, obviously, this is something that persists across um, all communities. But I particularly think about Dominican people when I think about colorism. Mm -hmm. um, and colorism is a term that was first coined by Alice Walker, and she defined it as prejudicial or preferential treatment of same race people based solely on their color. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it again. Prejudicial or preferential treatment 
of same race people based solely on their color. And in the U.S. particularly, it's a product of racism um, because it essentially upholds the white standards of beauty um, and benefits white people in the institution of oppression. To give you a concrete example of what colorism looks like or sounds like, um, I want to talk about like one aspect. So when we talked about internalized racism, I talked about how one of the ways that I had internalized racism is that I equated my hair being straight to like me looking professional. And so I would straighten my hair. I have curly hair, like very curly hair. And so when I think about this piece of hair, I think hair is just like so important in so many contexts and in so many communities. But when I think about colorism, particularly in the Dominican community, but this is also in the Latinx community, I think about the term pelo bueno y pelo malo, good hair and bad hair. And how Dominican people, the ones that I grew up knowing and, and hearing, would talk about pelo malo or pelo bueno. And pelo bueno, good hair, was typically assigned to straight hair, more Eurocentric features or more, fe or more, more of that hair that is associated with, with white people. Or um, how... You know, people would be happy if you were dating a white person because when you had babies with that person, you would be aclarando la raza, lightening up the race. Because if you have a baby with a white person, their expectation was that that baby would likely be lighter skinned than, than, mm -hmm. than, than, than you are or would have lighter skin than you have. I was, I was thinking about how to say it grammatically correct. And I was like, that wasn't right. Yeah. So that, that baby would have lighter skin than, than what you have. And they see that as like an improvement um, over generations. Yeah. And so those are some concrete examples of colorism just to like note that um, for folks, because I think that's such a big term um, and it can be very hard to conceptualize from just a definition. Did the Dominican people that you grew up say that with Latinx people that were light skinned as well? Or was it just? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like specifically towards white people. It was just light skin. It was, it was with light skinned people, but it was, it was more so what I saw some folks like celebrating, mm -hmm. um, you being with a white person. Yeah. With an American white person. Mm -hmm. Because for, you know, for a number of people, they think that if you come to America or to the United States, they think that you live like this amazing life and that you've, you know, you've really set yourself up for a much better future. And so if you come here and then you marry a white American, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. What success? Yeah. Um, which is not, it, it's not the case, but that I think shows um, the internalized racism that exists in the 
Dominican Republic that passes on to um, Dominican people. And again, I'm speaking from my perspective as a Dominican person, but this isn't something that is specific to Dominican people or to Latinx people. It exists across all cultures. Um, but it's just, I feel like it's so prevalent in the Dominican Republic and there's just so much of a drive to align to whiteness mm -hmm. and to um, disassociate as much as possible with um, indigenous and African roots and from, from Haitians. Do you, did you hear more of that language and more colorism statements when you went to visit the Dominican Republic? Or did you hear that more at home in New York? Or was I, it just, I, it was just such a norm that you, you so I didn't, it? I didn't, I never heard my parents say like, oh, this baby's so cute because they're light skinned and oh, like whatever. But, but at the same time. I never had a Barbie that looked like me, my complexion. I always had white Barbies. Mm. That's problematic because I'm not white. I'm just wondering, I, did they have dark skin Barbies when we were kids? Yes, they did. When did like, I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really like Barbies, <laughs> so I don't know. But um, that is very problematic. I just know that, yeah, white Barbies were the norm for a very, very long time. Right. So I was just curious if when you were playing with Barbies, because I don't know when you stopped playing with Barbies. I still play with Barbies. Last just year. <laughs> I got a secret collection in my closet. Just um, kidding. Which is totally okay if that was the case, but um, gotcha. So that, yeah, it was in everything. It was subtle. It was the norm. Yeah, it was, it was those subtle things where you wouldn't get a, a Barbie that was melanated, mm -hmm. right? You get a white Barbie because that was the nice Barbie. Mm -hmm. But that Barbie didn't look anything like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you watched that video with me. I think it was on Red Table Talk where they played that video back with a little girl. That was an experiment, yeah. Like pointing out the the good Barbie versus the bad Barbie and the pretty Barbie versus the ugly Barbie. It was so sad. It was so sad to watch, especially that she was a black little girl. Like it tore me up. I was just like, wow, she's got to be like five years old. And she's been taught that this is the way that. That black is ugly and that mm -hmm. black is bad. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this before, like when, when this topic came up, um, I started thinking back to like my own experience within my family and my extended family. And I, I can't think of a time where I saw like colorism. I, I, I can't, I'm sure there was, I'm sure there were some small comments here and there because I think we've all been guilty of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can't pinpoint that or, or where it was so like significant in, in, in my family unit that 
I was able to see that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if this even matters, but I don't know if this has anything to do with why that wasn't a case, but across my family, we're pretty light skinned. And I don't know if that's, if that's why that conversation never happened or, um, yeah. So I, I like putting that out there because I feel like there's a lot of privilege with that. And, mm -hmm. and maybe I was just blind to it at the time. But what I will say is that I did learn about colorism through my Dominican friends because I overheard their family saying the things that you just said in a way that like I had never, that was my introduction to it. Um, and obviously being married to you, listening to like your experience and all that, but you know, even thinking back to like the film and the films I wa would watch or the TV I would watch, um, you could just see that like, even in that, the people of color that were selected for those roles were light skin, dark people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, if you look at the, in, um, in movies in the nineties, the black women that were casted were light skinned black women. The ones that at least were portrayed as like lawyers or working mm -hmm. professionals, they tended to be light skinned black women. Yeah. When you look at music videos, the, the video vixens yep. were light skinned black women or light-skinned Latinx women. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we were on a, we were binging music videos in the 90s, and that's one thing we noticed. And I was like, damn, like, that sucks. And it's still like that in many ways. Um, so I feel like for me, like, colorism, uh, I guess I was limited in the way I saw it be, um, so you didn't have to think about it. That's true. I didn't. Um, man, I'm really trying to think hard into like, there's got to be an example of the time that I've seen that. Um, but you're right. There, I, there's privilege in that because I am light skin and, um, yeah, I mean, that's the only times I've seen it like in, in, in film, um, through like my friends and their extended family, depending on like their experiences and, and yeah. I mean, I even think about in Dominican Republic, how much like women go to the salon to straighten their hair. If you've been to Dominican Republic, it's hot over there. It's hot. Like that was my introduction into it. Like, why would you blow dry? Like, that is just torture because it is so hot and so humid. Mm -hmm. But women still go and straighten their hair because everyone wants that, that, that look of having straight hair. Or think about how many women relax their hair, like put chemicals in their hair to get it to be straighter. Think, think about that entire like the the beauty industry and how much money they've made 
off of this concept of colorism, right? Think about uh, relaxers for hair to straighten your hair. Think about like all the tools that that they sell to straighten your hair. Mm-hmm. Salons where, you know, women go all the time to straighten their hair. I mean, that was my introduction. I, prior to becoming friends with Dominican people, like, I never saw the world that way. Like, but that was a thing. It was like every weekend you have to go straighten your hair. Like, that's the thing. Like you have to take out your curls, your waves, like straight is beautiful. Like, yeah. That's, that's what it was. Um, or the sale of, um, a skin bleaching creams. Like I, I haven't seen that in Dominican Republic, but think about how much money the beauty industry makes from that. Yeah. From selling this idea that you could be lighter if you wore, if you like can, you know, wear, put on a cream to bleach your skin. Look at Sammy Sosa. Wow. That motherfucker's wild, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he achieved, this is from my not understanding baseball that much, but you know, he, he was a famous baseball player, right? Like, right. Yeah. You really did. Uh, you, you really looked that one up, right? <laughs> you did your research. He was a famous baseball player. He was famous in Dominican Republic. Yes. He was a famous baseball player. You know, when people, when you go to DR, people are like driving around, they're like, and this is Sammy Sosa's house, right? It's, it's a landmark basically. <laughs> did you see Sammy so- Sosa's house? Yeah. It's big. <laughs> not just from the outside, you know, is um, he Dominican? Of course. Uh, I thought he was like mixed with like Cuban and I don't know if you did your fact checks. Let me look him up because now you're making me second guess myself. Samuel Peralta Sosa is a Dominican American former professional baseball right fielder. Okay. Cool. You got me. I thought, I thought he was Dominican and Cuban or something. He was born in San Pedro de Macorís in Dominican Republic. Okay, okay. So you saw Sammy Sosa's house. Just so you know. Anyway, so he achieved all of this success. Not to say that you have to achieve success as a person of color in order for you to be worthy, but to to make the point, he achieved all of the success. He was a very beloved person and something in him after being what I think was successful, um, Something, something in him still had that internalized hatred where he thought that it was okay for him to bleach his skin. Yeah. Bleaching your skin is linked to cancer. So think about the impact of colorism on communities and on people for you to knowingly put something on your skin that you know has the potential of giving you cancer just so that you can align yourself and be in in a closer proximity to whiteness did you ever feel that way did you ever feel like i know you haven't felt like you needed to bleach your skin but did you ever feel like you wanted to be lighter because of like the things you would hear within your communities i've never felt that i wanted to be lighter and i think a part of that is because my mom's side of the family is very, very light skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have semi straightish hair, mm-hmm. kind of. Some people have curly hair. My dad's side of the family is more melanated mm-hmm. and they have curly hair. And 
I think I just got both perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I never, like, I appreciated that. I think had I grown up um, and most of the most of the family that I grew up around was like super light skin with straight hair. I think that would have completely changed the outcome of how I viewed myself. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have seen people who look like me. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. I still for for some time the wish that I had like that straight hair because of the fact that that was something that was like the norm of, you know, go straighten your hair on the weekends and yeah. And whatnot. And so I still wished, I remember wishing that I had that straight hair where I could just come out of the shower and put in a ponytail and mm. be on my way. Mm. Let me come out of the shower and put my hair in a ponytail with no product. I guess I felt that too. And like your hair is much curlier than mine, but I, I definitely remember feeling like, man, I wish I could just come out of the shower and it'd be done because I just didn't want to have to like put product in it or deal with it or whatever. But um, it, for me, it wasn't put product in it or deal with it. It was because of the look mm. and it was the the way in which people perceived you. Like till this day when, yeah, when people see a picture of me with straight hair and they look at, and they look at me with my curly hair, they're like, Oh, I'm much, I'm much, I like you much better with your straight hair. Yeah. That's offensive. I mean, that's offensive in many ways, but I also understand where that's coming from and that you think I look more professional. You know, people, people say te ves más seria, which is like, you, you look a little bit more, mm. um, more professional. It's just a different way of saying that mm. with straight hair. That's a result of internalized racism. And that also speaks to the, like the colorism in our community. Yeah. Did anyone in your family like feel that way that you know of that wanted to outright be lighter or? No, I don't know anybody in my family um, that, that was that way. Um, No. But when, when I, so I think we've talked about the effects of colorism on like an individual person and their thinking. Mm -hmm. I also want to note that in a lot of Latin American countries, the socioeconomic class and color are so intertwined because it's typically um, the more money that a family or person has, the lighter skin they are. And that's not because lighter skinned people in Latin America are smarter or more driven mm-hmm. or more successful. It goes to show the preferential treatment that lighter skinned people get. Yeah in these environments. And there are studies that have been done, not necessarily in Latin America, but in the United States, about how it's much more difficult for like darker skin um, men to get jobs versus lighter skin black men, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm not aware of any studies that are specific to Dominican Republic or to Latin America, but I can only assume 
that this is the case as well. Yeah. Totally. And you look at instances in Dominican Republic where if you're too dark skinned, you won't get into certain clubs because they want to have a certain look. I don't know if that's still going on, but that was the case before. I mean, it's still going on in this world. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't say that. It, it's still going on. And so think about how damaging that is for a child growing up yeah. who is darker skin. It, it's already so hard in this world to belong. And when you feel like you can't even belong in your own ethnic group, Like that's completely a psychologically like a psychological mind fuck for someone. Yeah, it's like isolating. It's a very like lonely feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think in this work of tackling internalized racism, of becoming better allies to the black community and even to people of color in general. I think that for particularly for the Latinx community, it's so important to tackle colorism. Like look at how it informed the societies that your families grew up in, the ways in which um, your parents or your guardians raised you, the ways in which you see yourself. Because you can say, I'm not, like, I don't have prejudice towards black people. But how can you say that if, I'm going to give just an example. How can you say that if something so small as like wearing your hair naturally you think that that makes you look unprofessional or that, or that you don't look as pretty. Mm -hmm. How can you say that if you will not buy your child mm -hmm. a doll that reflects the way that they look, mm -hmm. that you would only buy them a lighter skin doll because you think that that's, you know, that that's a nicer doll, mm -hmm. right? If you see a darker skinned baby and you're like, oh, and then you see a, a light skinned baby, you're like, oh my God, they're so cute, mm -hmm. right? Totally. There's so many ways in which you can see that prejudice and that colorism. Um, and I would see, I would see in, in Dominican families, I would see how lighter skin babies got better treatment. Yeah. They were told that they were cuter. Mm -hmm. They were like hugged more. And it wasn't that the darker skinned babies weren't told that they were cute, but I, I just didn't see that same level of affection or admiration mm -hmm. for the darker skinned babies that I saw compared to the lighter skinned babies. And that's like colorism, like true example right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. But that's why it's so important for us to address this. Yeah, absolutely. 
Man, I just got really sad. <laughs> I mean, this is the way that the world is operating right now. But if everybody takes the time to unpack and unlearn and to teach within your own community, I think that's going to make a big, big, big difference. Yeah. Just addressing like your subconscious feelings because, because a lot of time that's what it is. We've, we've, we've been raised in the society where the norm has been those things like straight versus like straight is beautiful versus curly or light skin is this. And all these things mean you're more professional and smart and all that stuff. And then, after a while, you're just functioning in that world that you don't even think about it. You just act on it. Yeah. Think, think about the ways. So now we're getting into like things that you can do to, um, you know, begin on learning or understanding how you've been impacted by colorism or the ways in which you perpetuate that. Think about the ways in which you give preferential treatment or you try to align yourself or your kids or your partner more to whiteness. If your if your child has curly hair, are you straightening their hair? Do they want to straighten their hair? Yeah. Why are you straightening their hair? Do are you rela like relaxing your hair? Mm -hmm. That's such a good example because I think it can it touches I think it reaches more people in that way. I don't think people see that as like that's you yeah, but that's you perpetuating that's like internalized racism, color. The, like there's a bunch yeah. of buckets that it's that like, falls it's like in. Bagel, it's like more of like the gray area mm -hmm. between all those things. Um, but, 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 but think about the, like, that's how you start. But also think about the ways that you react or the ways that you treat. Even like lighter skin kids in your family versus darker skin kids. Yeah, Think about how the, you discipline them. How you discipline them. How you discipline them and how how much patience do you have with someone who's a lighter skinned kid versus a darker skinned kid? I think I think there's a study on this, actually. Um, I remember like reading something on this. Like, I mean, look at how the world views black men. Mm-hmm. 10-year-old boys are being killed by the police because they feel threatened by a 10-year-old black boy. We were just at that protest um, the other day and that woman was talking about, I think it was her younger brother who got murdered at 10 years old because he fit a description. and He was on the train. Uh, he was 10 years old. So yeah, the way the wor world sees darker skinned people, black people specifically, is completely different than the way they see their white counterparts. Yeah, but, and and I also I what I want people to think about in regards to colorism is colorism feeds into racism. Mm -hmm. It feeds into that, and so. While, while I feel that everyone has access to Google and 
I don't think that it's okay for white people to ask people of color to do all the work. I think we as people of color can do some work to make some change in our own communities when it comes to colorism, mm-hmm. right? So particularly in the Dominican community, if you hear someone start mentioning pelo bueno, pelo malo, you, you, have, you have a learning, a teaching opportunity there for them to probe. I am, I'm really curious. What are you defining as good hair versus bad hair? Why is that hair good? Yeah. Why is that hair bad? Yeah. Why are you categorizing them that way? Do you recognize that that's offensive yeah. to anyone who doesn't have straight hair? Yeah. When someone says, oh, you know, because this has been said before, oh, that little kid's so cute. Maybe it'd be cute if it was a little lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a teaching moment. Totally. Because I think that particularly for people of color who grew up in spaces where they were around black people and because they are They can be treated similarly in terms of being um, marginalized. I think that sometimes people of color that that grew up this way think that they are exempt from the current issues that we have in the way that they could be perpetuating that marginalization Mm -hmm. of Black people. And you're not exempt because if you are participating in or perpetuating colorism in the way that you speak, in the way that you uh, treat lighter skin people within your own culture versus darker skin people, you're contributing to that problem. Yeah. I had to say that very carefully. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you do it very carefully. <laughs> because, you know. So it's a little gray area, you of know, but I appreciate that. I just want people of color to understand that we are not just because we are also marginalized does not mean that we aren't part of the problem that marginalizes other groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or marginalizes your own group. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a yes. lot of, people of color that just do that because they think that that's the way to do it. And this is not to take the narrative away. This is not a, uh, the Karens of the world that are like, what about black on black crime? Like, this is not that Mm -hmm. this is a different sort of conversation to say, Hey, we want to be better allies to, um, black people and to people in our communities. We need to tackle some of the issues that we have, internalized racism, and in this specific instance that we're talking about, colorism. Mm-hmm. Preach. So start taking that inventory. Yeah, those are some great examples. Thanks. Some solid, some solid thinking there. Some solid thinking. Just thinking back, just journaling a little bit about my experience. I mean, that's real. And I, again, I'll say it again. Like, I think it's a, 
it's a good way to reach many people because it's not just and it's not just like one gender many genders feel that same thing about their hair mm-hmm. you know so yeah i hope people do like some reflecting in that way and they make that change where they just catch themselves the next time they want to do like straighten their hair versus not you know what i mean it's just more of a thought and i think you say this all the time, but it's like once you see something, it's hard to unsee it. And so the more you get used to just checking yourself on that, you'll unlearn it. You yeah. will. I mean, look look back at um, some music videos from when you were growing up. Look mm-hmm. at who was casted for those music videos. Look at the ways in which women of color are casted in movies that you grew up watching, right? Mm-hmm. And those like women of color that were in like esteemed professions mm-hmm. in those movies look look just take just rewatch the movies and take a look at them because that ingrained in you a message mm-hmm. absolutely so that's that on that any final thoughts? Do the work. Yes. Do the work. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in. Please, please, please give us a rating <laughs> on iTunes, five stars. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Drop us a line. Um, and we look forward to diving uh, into more conversation, uh, vulnerable conversation. So stay tuned. Bye. Peace.